Welcome to our podcast, Doing It Right. This podcast reveals authentic stories from successful leaders doing it right. It's about their journey to become a leader, their choices, motivations, and lessons. In essence, how they built successful personal brands. Your host is Valerie Sokolowski, author of eight leadership books and nationally known as an authority on executive presence and personal branding. Let's get started. Here's Valerie. Well... Lieutenant Colonel Alan West retired from a 22-year career in the U.S. Army, where he proudly served in operations at Desert Shield and Desert Storm and Iraqi Freedom. He's a former U.S. representative from Florida, an inductee in the University of Tennessee Army ROTC Hall of Fame, holds a bachelor's degree from the University of Tennessee and two master's degrees. My gosh. You've maybe seen Colonel West often as a Fox News contributor and an author coming out with his third book. So most importantly, I'm going to mention one more thing before I turn the camera to Colonel West, and that is he's a dedicated family man, married to Dr. Angela Graham West, a PhD and MBA who now enjoys working as a financial advisor and father of two lovely young women, Aubrey and Austin. Whew. Colonel West, how are you? It's good to be with you, Valerie. And, you know, I just pulled that down off of eBay. They said you can easily purchase a biography that you can tailor to yourself. So <laughs> worked out well. You're amazing. And wow. you've, you're an author. So I have to look at this because you have two books and you said you're coming out with a third one. The mm -hmm. first one, uh, Guardian of the Republic, when did that come out and what? Mm -hmm is that about? It came out in 2013 and really is kind of a philosophical biography of uh, who I am and, and why I uh, think and believe this way. Uh, it tells the story of growing up uh, in inner city Atlanta, Georgia, two great parents, Herman West Sr., Elizabeth Thomas West, and the impact that they had as well as the impact that the military had on my life. You know, I was going to ask you about your background. Why don't we just put that book down, get back to the second one, and ask you about your background. What's sure. in this book? What do we want to know about? Well, it says Guardian of the Republic, and when you think about my life and my family, it has been about being guardians of this great constitutional republic. My father was a uh, U.S. Army corporal in World War II. As a matter of fact, mm -hmm. he uh, uh, served in North Africa, Sicily, and uh, in Italy, and interestingly, he was wounded in the Po Valley while running supply dispatches, and my first tour of duty was in Italy as well. So oh my uh, I remember when my dad uh, sat me down at the age of 15 and asked me to be the first officer in our family because my older brother was a Marine Corps infantryman that uh, he was wounded in the Vietnam at a place called Khe Sanh. Oh. Uh, so I did 22 years and uh, I will never forget the day that uh, right here in Texas, uh, down in Fort Hood, on uh, 6th of June, 2002, when I took command of a field artillery battalion, my nephew was there. Uh, he was currently then a cadet at North Georgia College, and uh, he said he wanted to be a, a lieutenant, a paratrooper, and also an artillery officer like his uncle. So he now is a major. He has done three combat tours of duty. So really, that's what we are in our family. Mm. We're guardians of this republic. That's a that's a great synopsis of mm -hmm. probably what's in here. But, you know, in, in doing so, what's been the greatest... Um, 
the greatest part of being that kind in that kind of a family? Well, just achieving, you know, that that dream that my dad had for me. Uh, mm. Like I said, at the age of 15, he, had, he challenges me to be the first officer in the family. I started out in high school, junior ROTC at Grady High School in Atlanta, Georgia. And, uh, you know, growing up in the same neighborhood that produced Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was an incredible impact of, upon oh. me. Uh, and, of course, when I graduated high school, I went off to the University of Tennessee and went through Army ROTC there. And on 31 July 1982, that was the day that my father was on my right uh, shoulder and my mom was on the left shoulder, and they pinned those gold second lieutenant bars on my shoulders. Don't you know he was proud? They were yeah. proud. Yeah. And now you're proud of all uh, the history. Well, yeah, just carrying on that legacy of a great man, my dad. There's nothing better than having the values put into a child from the family, and that's well, not always the case. And, and that's what it says in Proverbs 22, 6. It says, train up a child in the way that they should go so that when they grow old, they shall not depart from it. Mm -hmm. and, and that's really what the book is about, how those lessons, uh, those values, those principles of my mother and father, mm -hmm. uh, those real strong, you know, conservative principles of individual rights and freedoms and responsibility mm -hmm. have shaped me into being the person I am today. What do you do with seeing a young person that tends to maybe wander from those values, even though they were taught at home? Mm -hmm. I think it's very important that we understand as adults, as parents, that we have to always continually engage and, and re-engage with our children or, or grandchildren even. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not, there's always someone out there that will try to fill that gap oh, and fill that right. void. A absolutely. Mm -hmm. And when I look at what is happening with a lot of our young people today, I mean, the, the fact that we have teenage suicides is such a oh, high rate. Terrible. It is absolutely terrible. And so I think that he's, these are young people that are looking out for something to fill you know, what's missing in mm -hmm. their hearts. And when they don't understand that they have you know, loving parents or loving Heavenly Father, especially, uh, th th that is important. It, it always comes back to the home, and I really believe that we need to strengthen the home. I agree with you. I remember Charles Dobson. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know who knows remembers him or knows him, but oh, I do. talking about the family many years ago. Yeah, focus on the family. Focus on the family. That's and correct. still should be focus on the Absolutely. family. What's the second book? The whole Texas Hold the Nation, Victory or Death? Yeah, that book came out uh, just last year in October, and it really talks about the importance of Texas. And when you think about Texas, you think about its history. You know, going to the University of Tennessee, when you first step foot up there on Rocky Top, you, uh, you earn that nickname. You, you become a volunteer. And so it's not like being a, a bear, a lion, a tiger, a cougar, or whatever. And so you come to understand the history of where we earned that nickname, that moniker, and it was, you know, right here in the state of Texas when, you know, David Crockett, a former U.S. congressman and other Tennessee volunteers came here to fight for liberty and freedom sure. along with the Texians, and of course they made an incredible stand for 13 days. Uh, they ended up losing their lives, 185 of them, led by William Barrett Travis at, at the Alamo. So again, when you think about the principles, the values, the rugged individualism, all those things that symbolize Texas, mm -hmm. the economic growth, opportunity, and prosperity that you see here today because of the right principles and policies, mm -hmm. that's what's drawing so many people here to Texas. But yet there are people that are moving to Texas that want to continue to hold on to the principles and values from the failing places that they are departing. And it reminds me a lot mm. of, you know, when God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah and he told Lot and his family one thing, just one thing, don't look back. Don't look back. And we have a lot of people that are moving into the major population centers here in Texas, Dallas, uh, Austin, San Antonio, Houston, yes. Yes. El Paso, Corpus. 
that they are looking back to those policies. And, and, and they got to understand that, you know, you left because of this. Why would you want to bring that along with you? And so it's very important to understand you know, what Texas symbolizes, what makes Texas so unique, mm -hmm. and what makes Texas so important for the United States of America as a whole. And if we don't maintain this thing that we have called Texas, which a lot of people don't know, there's only one flag in this country that can fly the same height as the American flag, and that's the flag of the state of Texas. Well, isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. That's a good trivia it was a, to know. Texas was its own republic before it became That's a, right. a state. You're amazing. You know, no. talking about um, bringing, coming to another country and bringing that with you reminds me of all the travels that you've had. And we were talking before the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, we were talking about different places you've been. And all yeah. of a sudden, you started with these accents. So um, I'm going to throw this at you. So British, be British, please. Well, cheerio, mate. How are you today? Oh, well, I'm fine. Uh, very, very upset we did not have a, a spot of tea before we started the show. <laughs> but that's okay. I will forgive you. Next time, I'd like a little spot of Earl Grey tea, if I could. All right. I'll try to do that. Yeah. All right. Let's see. What else? You uh, tell me. What else can you say? Well, you are Italian. I am. Uh, my first tour of duty was Italy, so I will say, Buongiorno. Come va? Tutto bene? Si? Si? Good. Yeah. Yeah. Alles good? I have no idea what you're saying, but it's just great. Guten Tag, Fräulein. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. So, no. That's amazing. That has to be a gift of language, well, don't you think? Yeah, but the thing is that when you're there in those cultures and those areas, I mean, you really want to get to know the people and yes. get to know the cultures and what have you. And, of course, you know, I've forgotten a lot of it, but it was really neat to be this little kid from the inner city of Atlanta, Georgia, and then the next thing you know, you're in the Italian Dolomites, you know, mm -hmm. the Alps, mm -hmm. and you're learning how to ski because mm -hmm. that was part of your mission to uh, be able to do cold weather training and, and mountain and alpine operations. And that's the beauty of, of the military and what it does. It, it takes us, you know, and, and really breaks us out of our comfort zones. You know, I, I was a kid that was afraid of heights. But my first tour of duty had to be in an airborne unit. So, uh, you know, I had to learn how to jump out of airplanes. And, you know, that's what leadership is. Leadership is, you know, saying that, you know, I can do all things, you know, through mm. Christ Jesus who strengthens us, Philippians 4.13, one of my favorite verses. But it is understanding that you can rise up and above any constraints or restraints that you put upon yourself and you can be an example to others. I love what you're saying. And as an executive coach... Um, let me ask you and challenge you on one thing, and that is that sometimes people are working in companies that it's really hard. Mm -hmm. What would you say to listeners that are in that situation? I think you always have to go back to the blocking and tackling. As your show says, it's doing what's right. And one of the seminal lessons that uh, I learned from being in the military was that leaders know what right looks like. And when leaders know what right looks like and they do what is right, guess what? They create that type of environment where everybody else wants to do what's right. I think one of the major problems that we have in the United States of America is that we don't have servant leadership. We don't have citizen legislators. We don't have people that understand that they are there to serve someone else, not their own self-interest, not their own special interest, not any you know, certain ideological, political interest. It mm -hmm. is there to, to serve the American people. One of, the, one of the great things about being in the military 
is that we take an oath that says, I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic. I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that I take this oath without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, so help me God. See, we don't take an oath to a person. Mm-hmm. We don't take an oath to a political entity or whatever. We take an oath to that thing that embodies us, our, our rule of law. And, and that's what we believe in. And, and I just wish that we had people that believed in our core principles and values and not you know, the manipulation of others. And, mm-hmm. and that's what I see when, when you see failures of leadership and when you see failures in organizations. Mm-hmm. Well said, well said. If there's one or two attributes from a company standpoint that you see um, that's, that really takes a company to the next level, <clears throat> as far as leadership at any level, and to me, I think everyone's a leader in a company. It's not well, about any talent, they are. any yeah. title. Yeah, you know, when, when I used to you know, tell my, my battalion, it was close to 600 soldiers, I said the most important person in our battalion is the newest private. <laughs> it's not it's not me as the oh, commander yeah. and and the other thing I think is so critical with leadership and organizations is that leaders should never take credit leaders should always take responsibility and when people see that you are the one that will give them mm-hmm. the, the praise and the honor for achieving whatever the unit has been successful in doing guess what you make them stakeholders and then, and then all of a sudden they want to, 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 to do better. And they are thinking about how can I do better to bring b- greater credit on my unit or my organization, what have you. And if something goes wrong, you, you stand up and say, hey, it's on me. Uh-huh. And that's why you, when you go to our house, there, there are several you know, pictures or portraits of presidents there. One of them is Harry Truman. Because I love Harry Truman saying, the buck stops here. Because that's how it should be with the leader. Leaders don't look for excuses, and they don't look to blame someone else. They say, hey, look, this is what I did, mm-hmm. and, or this is what happened. I used to always mm-hmm. tell the, the young lieutenants that when you go out and you screw something up, mm-hmm. and you know that your boss is coming out, and he's probably mad, he's going to chew you out, and you just, the first thing you do when they get out of that Humvee or that vehicle, you go up to them, you render a salute, and say, sir, let me tell you what just happened. And then you say, let me tell you what I've just done to correct it. Wow. You just took all of the, 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 the fire out of it. Now, he, he may still want to, you know, yell at you just because, you know, he's got to look like he's the, you know, the boss, the tough guy. Huh? But really, he just saw something in you is that it's so important. Anybody can come up with a problem. But leaders come up with solutions. Very true. That's such a great visual. Just walk up to the Humvee and say, let me tell you what I did. Absolutely. Don't let let him get, you know, heading towards you. You go to him. Because, again, that's one of the things that we're taught in in the military, in combat. You move to the sound of the guns. You move to the sound of the guns. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that. Well, it, it means that you always should be on the offense. Okay. Never on the defense. Okay. When you're on the defense, someone else is dictating to you. That's when true. you're when yeah. you're moving to the sound of the guns, that means you're attacking the problem. You're attacking mm-hmm. the issue. You're going on offense. Mm-hmm. You and and you are confident that you're going to be able to resolve the issue. But what if? Okay, I I totally get that. And sometimes I hear, but I I can't afford to lose my job. I'm afraid of losing my job. I have to have this job. That kind of, you know, can, can hinder someone from being quite that bold. Well, 
I will tell you this, Valerie. Um, each and every day we wake up with three things that no one can take away from us. Okay. But we can surrender. That's your honor, that's your integrity, and that's your character. Very true. Now, as you go through the day, you got to make sure at the end of the day, when you look at that person in the mirror, mm-hmm. and that's the only Michael Jackson song that I really do like. I mean, <laughs> man in the mirror. Other than that, I don't care about Woo! Michael Jackson. But that man in the mirror song is, is, is important. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the day, man or woman in the mirror, you got to say, did I do what was right to keep my honor and my integrity and my character? Because so often we as, as humans start to worry about that personal discomfort, that personal pain or whatever. Sometimes you have to go through that. That's why when you go and you read uh, Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, where it says, you know, trials and tribulation produces perseverance. <laughs> Perseverance produces character, mm-hmm. and character produces hope. Not hope in man, mm-hmm. but hope in something greater. Mm-hmm. In James chapter 1, it says, count it all joy when you encounter trials and tribulations. See, you know, you got some pretty nice little bling on your fingers there. You know, think about this. Yes, you got big bling. <laughs> husband, boy, you, you write no, some big checks. No, that's not diamonds. It's now, come on, really. Well, I don't no, know. I just know it's, it's big pretty, bling. Right? Yeah, it's pretty. But think about this. What is a diamond? It's a gem out of the earth. Yeah, it's just a, a black rock. That's right. How do you make a diamond? You have to polish it. Intense heat and pressure. Mm-hmm. How do you purify steel? I get you. Intense heat. Yeah. So sometimes you need to go through that crucible mm-hmm. in order to strengthen your honor, your integrity, and your character. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times what we have to understand is God wants to take you through a situation. And if you go through that situation, on the other side, you're going to be an even better, even stronger person. It's really true. And so that's what I would say to people, say, you know, I don't want to lose my job. You know what? You may end up getting a better job. Exactly. Because someone will exactly. look around and say, that's a stand-up kind uh-huh. of person mm-hmm. that I want. Mm-hmm. I think we need more people who, like you, are very bold. You don't have any problem in saying it like it is, to the point, succinct, well, you, you, take it or leave it. Well, again, in Isaiah fifty four seventeen, it says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against you in judgment you shall condemn, for that is the heritage of those who love the Lord. When, when Joshua took over the incredible uh, you know, nation of Israel to take them into the promised land, because Moses was not going to be able to do it, mm-hmm. God told Joshua three times in uh, chapter 1, verses 5 through 9 in the Bible, be strong and of good courage, for the Lord thy God shall never leave you nor forsake you. And he kept telling that, be strong and of good courage. Mm-hmm. So again, coming back to what we were talking about originally, when I see our young people that are out there taking their lives, Yes. It's because they're afraid to walk through that crucible. I mean, you hear about a young girl, a young boy, they take their lives because they broke up with their boyfriend or girlfriend. A whole lot of boyfriend Horrible. girlfriends out there. Horrible. You cannot think that that's, that's the end of your life. There was, there was a great song, you know, my favorite rock band is a group called Rush. Rush. I mean, yeah, I love Rush. And, and so there was a song that they wrote called The Pass. And it, and it talks about turn around and walk the razor's edge. Don't turn your back and slam the door on me. Because it was about, you know, people taking their lives and suicide. And, and you know, this is a very personal story for me. I had a, a lieutenant. Uh, he was my executive officer, second in command of my artillery battery when I was a captain. His name was James McCoy. James McCoy was a stellar officer. I mean, just, just perfect in mm. every single way, shape, form, or fashion. 
He was rated the number one lieutenant in the entire artillery brigade in, in, that we had at the 1st Infantry Division. But James McCoy found out something. He found out that his wife, Cheryl, had a little secret life, a little dark side. A lot of other people knew about it, but he was the last to, 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 to learn. Mm. And it was very embarrassing. It was very tough for him. They had two, two sons. And I will never forget, you know, telling James, look, you can, you can move past this. You know, we, you know, you can do whatever it needs to do. You stay in the housing on the, on the post and, and, you know, we'll make sure that, you know, Cheryl gets moved off, what have you. But he could not walk that razor's edge. Mm. So one Saturday night during the uh, final four of uh, March Madness, I invited him to come down, 1991, I believe. Uh, I was watching Georgia Tech play. Mm. And he shot Cheryl and shot himself. And so that's what I'm talking about when, you know, it it is about that ability to walk through the trials and tribulations Mm. so that you build that character, you build that perseverance, you build that hope. And and that that experience of, you know, I was only, let's see, uh, 30 years of age. Yeah. Yeah. And I was the guy that had to identify the bodies that night because oh, I was his commanding goodness. officer. So he, he lost hope. He lost hope. Mm-hmm. And remember what I talked about? You know, the, the, the trial and tribulation can build the perseverance and the perseverance can build a character and the character can build a hope. Not hope in you or hope in man or whatever because man lets you down. But hope in something greater. Mm-hmm. And, and everybody needs it. Everyone needs it. Mm-hmm. We all have a God-shaped hole. That's very true. It's all about what we fill it with. There you go. You're a deep man of faith, and I also know that you are a disciplined man of faith, mm-hmm. and just disciplined. Tell us about all the disciplined things that you do. Well, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, earlier this week I got back in uh, from California, a trip at like 3 in the morning, and I was right back up at 6.30 to, to get out and go <laughs> run about four and a half miles, and do my uh, my crunches and push-ups and everything on the front yawn, lawn. You know, I, I just think that's that's very important that you have structure, and you have discipline. Uh, not saying that you know I'm not a, a fun guy. I mean, I can't I, you know I can't let my hair down, and that's why I have my motorcycle so that I can get out and, and relax and do things. But I think it's very important to have structure and discipline in in your life uh, because when you do come up with those those points of adversity, or whatever, you you want to be able to say this is my core. This is who I am. This who the I authenticity am. again. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. And you can't deviate from it. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I never saw, you know, in, in my parents' house, they never drank, uh, and so that became part of my life. And of course, being in the army, you're always going to get tempted <laughs> to do it. But it, the great thing was that as a young lieutenant, um, I was always the one that took care of my buddies. I remember my first uh, my first duty assignment was up the road from here, Fort Sill, Oklahoma. That's the artillery sure. school. Yeah. And uh, we would get long weekends. You know, the guys would always say, hey, you know, Al, you know, will you drive us down? You know, we'll pay for the gas and everything like that, but we know you'll look out for us. And, and that's what people see mm. in your discipline and in mm. your structure and the way that you carry yourself. I can understand that. And scuba diving, too. You do. Yeah, master scuba diver. So, uh, you know, when I was living back down in Florida after I retired, I mean, pretty much every Saturday, you know, after a nice little morning run, go out there and jump in the ocean and get a couple of dives in and, uh, you know, head back home. But now I try to take uh, one or two trips, uh, one down to Cozumel and another down to the, the Cayman Islands. Because you, sometimes you need to just, uh, you know, 
power down, kind of uh, decompress, and uh, just reju re rejuvenate yourself. And and Go yeah. ahead. And I, and I just love the underwater world. It's so do peaceful. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's so peaceful. I was going to ask what you do to do. Do you ever get stressed? Nah. No. Nah. <laughs> You're human. Well, what was that? What was that? Uh, I, I forget the underarm deodorant commercial said, never let them see you sweat. <laughs> never let them see you sweat. Yeah. But you do sweat. We all sweat. No, we all sweat. <laughs> I was sweating this morning when I was running. <laughs> You know, something else I read that I thought was really interesting was that you carry three by five cards with you. Uh-huh. Yep. Okay. Oh, really? Yep. May I see? Yeah. I won't read, but... No, you can. Okay. Because as a matter of fact, these, these three by five cards that I have here, uh, on the first and the second one, are my basic uh, leadership principles. Would you read a few? There, you do it. The, the, okay. what, what I have there, the first are the five standing orders. And those were the five things that when I was a commander, I already said that these are our core principles of the unit. So feel free to read. Okay, I wish I could, but I don't have my glasses on, oh, so you she, have to read them. She's, she's over here trying to be vain, folks. Put your glasses on. Put your glasses on. Uh, there you go. Yeah, I need your glasses. I need to do that. If I could get unwired, I would. Go get your glasses. <laughs> Uh, loss. I know. Oh, well. well, the five standing orders. The first one says keep your bayonet sharp. Uh, it's very important that a soldier understands that sometimes you're going to have to go into close combat with the enemy, and you got to be able to overpower them. But also what I tell them is that this is your bayonet. You uh -huh. must always keep your head sharp. You must always be ready to engage any situation and be trained up for that. Uh, the second one is uh, keep your individual weapon clean. Because any person in the military would tell you the worst thing that could happen is uh, when you're in a firefight and you pull the trigger and you hear click. So you got to keep that weapon clean. But you also need to keep this individual weapon clean. And you never know when you have to make a decision. You know, my, my wife will tell you that these three by five cars are always on the nightstand because something may come to your mind in the middle mm -hmm. of the night. You need to be able to write it down. Now you got your glasses. No, oh, sunglasses. So, no, so you have to know. She's got a audience. Ray Charles. She got a Ray Charles glasses, man. Look you at have, her. Anna, thank you so oh, much no. for pulling. She got the a daggum Ray. Look at. Her. But they were no, wrong you should glasses. keep them on. You should keep them on. Let's we'll see if I can read them any better. You should keep them on. Let's see. No, I can't. <laughs> now, that's funny. Keep going. These are good. These are good. Okay. The uh, the third one says one man does another man checks. Because, what does that mean? Because in the artillery. Uh, you know, you have to set numbers. You have to set the quadrant elevation and the deflection on the howitzer. Okay. That, that means that you got to make sure that you have to, you put that round, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, 15 kilometers away uh, where it's supposed to go. Okay. But it's always important that someone else checks what you're doing to make sure that you have those settings correct because if not, you know, just a simple degree off and mm -hmm. someone could lose their life. And so I think as we go through life, we cannot be so arrogant that whatever we're doing, we can't allow someone else to check it oh, to make sure that we're squared away. I like that one. The uh, next one is uh, be the expert in your lane and knowledgeable in another, which hmm. means that no unit is successful if they put everything in the existence of one person. So everyone needs to have their primary duty, but they also need to have an alternate duty of responsibility mm -hmm. so that the mission the function of a unit can continue to go on that's the same thing in the job place and that's why i told uh, my my troops the most expendable person in our battalion of 600 people is me because mm. even if i'm not around you know your task and purpose and you should be able to carry on 
Uh, and the last one is be a professional. I think that speaks for itself. And then uh, the five C's of leadership, as I call them, courage, competence, commitment, conviction, and character. Read those one more time. The five C's of leadership, mm -hmm. courage, mm -hmm. competence, because no one follows a dummy. No. Commitment to a core set of principles, beliefs, mm -hmm. but you also have to have conviction. Because mm -hmm. just because you're committed to something, you may not be convicted to it when something tough comes along. Mm -hmm. And then character. Mm. And character means doing what is right when no one's watching. That's great. So. You know, that's so interesting, Colonel, because I always ask, you know, for the guests to leave pearls of wisdom. I call them teachable points of view. My land, you've given me how many there and through I, probably 20 so far. So that's good. Thank you. I love that. What a joy to have you on. I, I, uh, I had a question I wanted to ask sure. and uh, before we go that I did wanna, want to uh, see what you would say. And that is when you are developing, as you go out into the uh, workplace and into speaking engagements and, and everything, what are you seeing today that is still working? That's positive. I, I'm tired of people saying, well, this is what isn't working. Yeah. What is working? I think that what is still working is uh, people want to have individual responsibility. People want to be given a job. They want to be given a task. Mm -hmm. And they want to see the accomplishment of it. And they take pride in their work. I still see that happening in the United States of America. Good. And I think that the day when we get to the point where we don't want to produce that we have too many people that want to receive, I think that then we're heading down the road of perdition. Because, you know, what, what, great, what, what made this country so great in just 244, 43 years mm -hmm. is that, that incredible individual entrepreneurial spirit. Mm -hmm. And that's not, we don't want to lose that. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I guess we'll close by saying, always remember that 20 some odd years ago, a country called Venezuela was one of the most prosperous nations in this hemisphere. Mm. Then all of a sudden someone comes along and says that you don't have to get out there and work to earn it. We'll give it to you. We'll take from one group and we'll give it to you. And when you do that, you take away a will, you take away drive, you take away determination, you create people to be dependent. And I don't think that America has gotten to the point where the majority of his people want to be dependent. There are some, but I don't think we're, we're there yet. Because when you look at that transition from what Venezuela was to where it is today, that's a lesson for all of us to learn. Wow. What a powerful way to end our time together, and I Thanks. wish we had a whole other hour. Sincerely, thank you so much, so much. You yes, covered so many things, and you're a man to be admired, and I oh. always have. Thank you, Valerie. So thanks for being on the show. And for those of you who are watching or listening, please join us next time. When you have any questions for some of these leaders, I want you to feel free to make comments and ask them, even after the fact. This is live, and there's lots of comments that you can still make. And so do so. We'll make sure that they are answered. And until next time, you just please stay authentic. Stay in the, in the realm of being a person of integrity and all of the things that the Colonel has talked about today. That's what this show is about. And so until next time, see you then.
Thanks for listening. To receive Valerie's voice, free monthly leadership tips, and to learn more about her leadership programs and coaching, visit her website, ValerieAndCompany.com. Next week, we'll be here again to inspire, engage, and equip you with teachable points of view from successful leaders who have been doing it right. Until then, lead authentically.